Can you hear the people sing, singing the songs of the boondog? It's a podcast where I've stories and I read them on the bog. It's a podcast like other ones, but this has got shit in it. And it's one that you will listen to when you're on the loop. Two toilet references in that song. God. All right, let's go. It's the Boondog Podcast, and it's, what time is it? The time is now, and it's also time to record a podcast, and uh, th- that podcast is called the Boondog Podcast, and it is episode 13, so we have, someone's got squeaky bike brakes out there, alright, let's ignore that, so we have, uh, yeah, we've done more episodes than we did in series one so far. So, that's good stuff, um, and but not necessarily more stories yet. Um, but yeah, we're on episode thirteen, I think there's uh, one more. Well, I say you see, you listen to this. So I said at the start of this series that we'd do twelve episodes this series, um, and so what's ended up happening is. Um, there are, so I've done, how many, of, so this is the seventh of this series, including the Halloween special, and then there'll be one more after this to complete the saga of Toby McNaughty, and then we'll have a little break, I think, and then we will, we'll be back with the Christmas special, and then to carry on with the series, alright, so, yeah, it doesn't cause it doesn't mean it's not a new series. No, it doesn't mean it's a new series just because we're gonna have a few weeks off, right? It's not like Breaking Bad did it. Breaking Bad had a break in the middle of their series, and you don't have a go at them, do you? You're not gonna ring up Vince Gilligan and say, "What you said there was gonna be one series, but effectively there's two because there's a break in the middle." No. Well, why don't you show me the same respect that you would have for Vince Gilligan? All right. I don't really have anything, any news, because we're in lockdown, and you're not allowed to do things. Um, I mean, you're allowed to go out and about. I've uh, I reported on my barefoot walking the other week. Um, that has gone down a bit because it's cold. Um, frankly, it's cold, and so I have not been walking barefoot. I've been walking. With shoes on. Um, and what else has been happening? Very, very little. Oh, I've got to inject stuff into my tooth. So that's something that's that's something a little exciting for you. I have basically one of my teeth. It's a bit discolored. You could call it dead. And so I didn't realise this is 
Well, I don't know if this is how all whitening stuff is done. But I've, they cut a hole out of the back of your tooth. They cut a hole out of the back of your tooth and then you get a little in little syringe, not a needle syringe, um a one like a squirty one. And uh you well, first and you've got a little gum shield. They mould a gum shield perfectly for your teeth, which they call a whitening tray. And you put a little bit in the on the tooth that you're going for and they've cut holes out of the teeth at either side the teeth either side um to so like when you put it in your mouth then that the whitening stuff oozes out um those ones so it doesn't whiten the teeth either side of the one you want to do because otherwise the one that you want to whiten will still look less white than the ones either side of it because they'll get whitened as well so you need a hole but then also get your little syringe and you reach it round the back of your tooth and then you squirt it in the little hole in the back of your tooth it's bloody weird bloody weird but it's yeah and then I have to wear this gum shield all day but I've taken it out for the podcast because I didn't want to have a little I don't want to be talking like this for the podcast um, but it's lucky that we're in a state of lockdown at the moment because nobody's socialising anyway. So, uh, yeah, I can. And I've got to top it up every hour. So, yeah, this is... If you're going to get internal whitening done on one particular tooth, I don't know if... Is that how they do it? If you're whitening all your teeth? Surely not. That is a lot of hassle. Um, but, yeah, get it done during a lockdown. That's my advice. So we're going to begin with a story of a little something that happened to me. And let's just call this story The Doc Buster and I. So I'm a Doc Buster at work. Well, I'm not actually a Doc Buster. The Doc Buster is the scanner. It's a special scanner that can do probably a hundred pages a minute. We have a very intimate connection, you see. The Doc Buster and I. That's why I accidentally call myself the Doc Buster sometimes. We're basically one. I was hired to scan files, so that's what I do all day. We've got a rhythm, Doc Buster and I, and we know how to push each other's buttons. But we're not appreciated in the law firm. Each week there's an office meeting and they go around each team and one person says a little bit about themselves and how much money their team is bringing into the company. I'm John and this week the dog did a poo on the carpet. It was a right mess and I think we're going to need a new one. Some of us can't afford a carpet, John. We just step on the little brown bits that are under the carpet. Not the floorboards, that under carpet stuff with pins around the edges. And it hurts. Anyway, this week our team have made £20,000 for the company. Aren't we great? Then everyone claps their hands and tells John and his team they're great. But they never get to the admin team. They never get to the Doc Buster and I. So Alex, tell us about you and your team. Well, I'm Alex and I bought some new trousers this week. The fitting room was shut so I just put them on over my jeans and tested them that way. Then I got told off by the shop assistant because you're not allowed to try them on wherever you are. 
Then clap, 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 clap. They would all applause. So how much money did you bring into the company, Alex? Well, technically I didn't bring any in, but because I've scanned in these documents, we don't need to pay for external storage anymore, so I've actually saved the company probably thousands. Then they would all applause and probably lift me above their heads. That's what would happen if they ever bloody asked. But they don't. They just say, thanks guys, see you next week. Bastards. So last week... I came out of the office meeting and went to the Dockbuster to crack on with the scanning. I put in a big document and watched the page count tick up. Dockbuster is cool, you see, because it has a dial that tells you how many pages it's scanned since the beginning of time. I was the first person to use the Dockbuster, so these were all me. Anyway, the page count ticked up and up, and soon enough, it hit a million. Then it froze. It made a funny noise, like... (laughs) Broken. At a million pages. What a shame, I thought. Then I noticed a glow of blue light coming from beneath the lid, where all the scanning gear is. I lifted the lid, and the light burst from beneath it. There was nothing in there. It was all just light. The scanner was full of a blue light and I had no idea how far it went. I dipped my hand in and I couldn't touch the bottom. This was pretty bloody strange. I put both my hands in. The light was calling me. Next to my head. Before I knew it, my feet were off the ground and I descended headfirst into the dockbuster. I landed on a chair in a giant room. A warehouse, sort of. Actually, it was more like an empty supermarket. A supermarket without any shelves. Then I heard voices. Welcome, Dockbuster! I looked below me and saw hundreds of little ink cartridges with square eyes and little stubby legs. No, you mean welcome to the Dockbuster. Welcome, Dockbuster! To the Dockbuster. You are the Dockbuster! We do have a very intimate connection, the Dockbuster and I, but we are separate entities. The prophecy said the Dockbuster would scan one million pages. You are the Dockbuster. All hail the Dockbuster. And they tilted their cartridge bodies towards me in honour. Then I realised I wasn't actually sitting on a chair, it was a throne, which I guess is a form of chair. But a special chair for a special man. Well, I guess I must be the Dockbuster then. And then what does that make you? The Dockbuster! No, no, I'm the Dockbuster. You are the Dockbuster! I know, so what are you? Dockbuster! Hold on. We are one, you and we. We are... Okay, do I have a choice in this? The prophecy calls you as our leader. But I don't want to lead, I want to leave. You have been chosen. If you like me so much, then surely you should respect my right to choose. The prophecy rules all. 
What do you even do down here? Dog bass. Bass dogs. As much as I'd felt unappreciated outside the dog buster, in the land of the office and scanners and staplers and paper and all that nonsense, I was starting to question which I'd rather experienced. Forced, relentless appreciation or no appreciation at all. Two million pages! Two million pages! What happens when it gets to two million pages? It has not been foretold. So I decided to wait. I wondered if they noticed I was gone upstairs. Probably not. Would they ever even hire someone to replace me? It could be years until it reaches two million pages. Time was hard to track down there because it was constantly light. I'd begun to relax into the vibe though. I told stories to the little cartridge people and I made them laugh. Then one day, the blue glow erupted again. This time I felt a sucking feeling. I was being pulled upwards. I climbed out of the scanner and landed on the print room floor. I looked at the number on the scanner. Two million. Then from within the machine I heard the words. Welcome, Dogbuster! They had a new leader now, and I was back to being a nobody. That actually happened to me. And it was a... It was, you know, I'm surprised I'm not... I haven't got PTSD from it. Because, well, I was thrown from praise and... uh, Universal appreciation into an office where I'm once again just nobody. It must have confused them because, well, I went missing and then they hired someone else and then I'm back again. But to them, the admin team are just cogs. Just simple, just, you know, cogs in the machine, faceless beings. To them, we are simply machines. They probably don't even see a difference between the Doc Buster and I. But I'm back there, back in the office, scanning once again. Maybe when I get to three million, I'll be back in there. And then whoever they hired after me will pop back out. And then he'll come back. We'll have to just wait and see. Hopefully I'll be gone by the time I get to bloody three million pages. I wonder if, you know, that's happened to other people. If if there are any other dock busters or scanners or however like you like to be called, scan dog millionaire, sometimes I refer to myself as. If you've got any other scanners listening, uh, yeah, just write in and tell me if you've uh, reached one million pages on your scanner. And if anything untoward happened. Alrighty. Um, so should we just move straight on? Straight on to um, the next episode in the saga of Toby McNaughty? I think we should. <laughs> When a man loves a woman he's seen on TV It's a love that keeps him wedged in his own 
city Now Toby McNaughty Will track her down On a quest to find If true love knows no bounds So this story is called Showdown of Lovely Life. Toby looked up at the giant building, then read the writing off his arm and chest. Block A, Dream Park, Bolingbrook Grove, Shoreditch, London, EC1Y6GE. Yep, this looks like the place. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, his legs were knackered from the walk. It had been less than 48 hours since he left... Le- it had been left... It had... It had been less than 48 hours since he left his wedged position deep within his sofa at Todmorden. But his legs had begun to change shape, slowly losing their resemblance to a couple of bags of meat. It was a swanky building about 20 stories high with the words lovely life emblazoned across the top. He could have spotted it a mile away, meaning he probably didn't need to engrave half the address on his body. He buzzed the intercom for reception. Through the glass doors, he could see the receptionist answer. Lovely life HQ, how may I help you? Uh, let's speak to Jennifer, please. Uh, can, can I ask who's speaking? Toby. Okay, Toby. Which Jennifer would you like to speak to? Jennifer in HR? Jennifer in accounting? Jennifer in marketing. Oh, she gets a lot of visitors. I don't bloody know a second name. To me, Jennifer is enough. Oh, that will be Jennifer in marketing. She has that effect on men. No, it's not fucking Jennifer in fucking marketing, you stupid old bag. It's Jennifer who talks to me. You know, on the telly, on my phone. Well, she did anyway. There was a pause while the receptionist gathered herself. Hold on a second, sir. The receptionist picks up her phone and dials. Yes, hello, hello, yes, hello, Samantha, sorry to bother you. It's just we've got another one. Yeah, legs as fat as manatees. Yeah, wants to see his one. Jennifer, she's called. Okay, I'll see if he listens. She speaks to the intercom once again. Okay, sir. Toby, was it? That's right, love. Jennifer's been fired. You fucking what? You stopped paying your subscription, so we had to let her go. She was chosen for you. So we can't keep them on if you're not paying us. It's not personal. It's just business. Where does she live, then? I'm sorry, Toby. We can't tell you that information. You have to. I've come all the way from Todmorden in the name of love. Look at my legs. It were tough. He slaps his legs to enunciate their size. I'm sure it was. But it's GDPR. GDPR. I despise that acronym. Do you know what I think it stands for? God damn pain in my rectum. Okay, sir. You have to go now. 
I won't do it. I want to speak to the manager. Oh no, God, do I find out the location of my Jennifer? It's love. You might not know it, but this is love. This really cut deep into the receptionist, as her boyfriend of eight years had broken up with her just the previous night. She thought he was about to propose to her when he said he wanted to talk to her about something important, but no, he broke up with her. Now she had to tell her friends to forget about those bridesmaids' dresses, and this man at the door is telling her she doesn't know what love is. What a prick. Fine, stay there. I won't tell you. Lardars. And the manager won't either. Toby slumped down against the glass and waited. It was 2.35 when he began his slump. He sat there and gazed at the streets of Shoreditch, wondering how people could carry on, knowing their one true love was out there and still just act normal. It got to 5pm and he perked up again. This is when the office must shut. He watched the doors. People started to leave. But people arrived too. As each left, he shouted to them, You the manager then? Where's my Jennifer? But they all ignored him. It got to six and he thought the manager had escaped out the back door. How's that song go? Walking down till five. Down till five. What a way to make living. He buzzed the intercom again. What time do you lot shut then? We are open 24 hours a day. Ah, can hell. Just make myself comfortable, then, eh? He lay down and resigned himself to waiting once more. The receptionist phones up to the big boss once again. Samantha? He won't leave. Hold on. She buzzed the intercom. Do your legs still work? Of course they bloody do. We all right, legs? They twitched. Yep, all in working order. What's it to you? She didn't reply. She picked up the phone and responded to Samantha. Uh, they do, apparently. Okay, okay, see you soon. Ten minutes passed and Toby was wondering what those questions were all about. What's it to her if his legs work or not? The glass doors slid apart and a woman stepped out. She looked like she spent a lot of time inside. Unkept dark hair, pale skin and glasses emphasising her tired eyes. She turned to Toby. Come inside, ladass. I'm not going anywhere until I speak to the manager. I am the manager. Not some measly middle manager. I need someone proper. Takes action. Not afraid to kick a football in a crowded auditorium of the big cheese, top of the heap. You're speaking to her. Come off here, love. Where is he? She... I'm the fucking chief executive officer, you prick. She snapped. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> Suppose I better come inside, then. He heaved himself up off the ground and followed her in. She took him into a lift and pressed the 20th floor. What's yours called? Jennifer. You know where she lives? It best be bloody London. I can't be going no more south. Sure. I know where she lives. I can't believe you sacked her. That's just bloody disrespectful, that is. The doors pinged open on the 20th floor and they stepped out. 
The floor was home to a labyrinth of hallways, each featuring a series of doors about three metres past the previous one. Samantha said nothing, while Toby kept blabbering on. Oh, Jennifer, can't wait to see you again. It's been too long, beloved. Eventually, they got to a door, room 501. Jennifer is behind here, said Samantha. She opened the door to reveal a woman slumped on the floor, lifeless. It was Jennifer, all right. But where was her joie de vivre? You've killed her. Just because I stopped paying my lovely life subscription. Foul play. Foul play. Toby. Toby. He's gone Australian. Toby. 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 Jennifer was chosen. Just for you. If we don't have you... She is no use to us. But we didn't kill her, Toby. We have simply made her redundant. What in God's name are you talking about? We have stopped recharging her. Stop being so cryptic. Her battery is dead. Come on, love, spit it out. She's a fucking robot, you prick. Oh. <coughs> oh, it takes it out of me. All those voices. Sometimes I lose track of who I really am. And then the story ends and I realise I'm me again. And then the general hell of life begins. Nah, that's alright being me, actually. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that is the penultimate part of the... Uh, Toby McNaughty saga and he's just found out his one true love is a robot so why don't we all have a little think if we all uh, found out um, our one true love was a robot I'll just give you a few seconds to consider that would you love her? Would she still be your one true love? Can robots love? Can robots love? Is robot love real love? Can two robots love one another? If a robot acts like it's in love, does it mean it's in love? These are all questions that may be answered in the next episode. But I doubt it because they're deep philosophical questions that I've taken philosophers, scientists, all kinds of crazy people, years to study, and there isn't any proper answer to it. It's just an open answer ended question. My opinion is no. It's just, you know, they don't have brains. But if they can bring you those feelings of love that you need, what's wrong with that? Well, we'll discuss that after next week's one. Maybe I should, uh, maybe, if anyone wants to set up a um, like a companion podcast to this, so, sort of like, um, you know, you got the British Bake Off Extra Slice, Strictly Come Dancing, It Takes Two. Uh, yeah, after Breaking Bad, they had Talking Bad. Um, 
where you discuss the stories, the deeper meanings, then you have my permission. I'm not going to stop you. In fact, I'll encourage you. But, you know, it's up to you. I know people are busy these days. Um, yeah, so, well, yeah, next week, it's the big climax. And we'll see what happens uh, when Toby gets pissed off. Because let me tell you, he is not a happy bunny. Yeah, as I said earlier, I don't really have any uh, eventful things to discuss, you know. i tell you what I have been watching. Love life. Not lovely life. Love, space, life. And it's a new uh, show on the BBC starring your friend of mine, Anna Kendrick. Um, some people... Uh, some people find Anna Kendrick a bit grating. Um, to be honest, it's mainly women who have found her annoying. All right? But, um, yeah, she's uh, so Anna Kendrick in Love Life. Oh, this is a recommendation. I first The first episode I thought, mm, it's kind of just, you know, your cheesy cliche rom-com, but it's a ten-part series. But then you watch a few more episodes and you realise it's a way deeper show than that. It delves into the whole issue of rom-coms and why, well, romantic films in general and why we all feel so, um, why we all feel it's so necessary to find a bloody partner. And each episode tells the story of a certain particular racial relationship not a relationship, a particular relationship in her life. Um, like usually it's romantic ones, but then one the one episode's about a relationship with her mother. One's about a relationship with her best friend, and how that makes us us. And you keep watching it, and you think this this is deeper. This is a this is what we bloody need well it's not what we bloody need but it's yeah it's a lot um deeper than you may not give it credit for from the first episode so i recommend it give it out check it check it out give it time and like there are some very uh cheesy moments but just you know ease into it this may not be everyone's vibe but um it's it's like a little each episode is like a little mini rom-com movie because you've got your, your meet cute what you'd call it your cheesy little meeting where the couple meet and then you've got the breakup although in uh, a rom-com film you'd have the bit where they get back together again but each episode is just get together and break up uh, apart from the ones where it's about a mum and a mate but it's very well told and I really recommend it. So, if you're looking for something to watch, love life. If you like a cheesy rom-com, which, I hold my hands up, I'm partial to one. So, yeah, that's all we've got time for today. Actually, as I said last week, it's, 
I shouldn't end it. That that phrase is all we got time for. It applies if you're on, I don't know, a game show, chat show, because you've got a lot of people employed. They've got schedules. You've got people to pay. You've probably only booked the studio for a certain amount of time. You've um, only booked the guest for a certain amount of time. You can't say it's all we've got time for if you're recording a podcast on your own in the middle of a pandemic. There is no time limit. There is no time limit. But you have to set a limit because otherwise you'll go mad. And both talking to myself there and to you, the listener, we both need to preserve our sanity. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you know, what's the usual? Website, boondoggle.co.uk. Instagram, the Boondoggle Pod. Twitter, Alex Boondoggle. I still haven't tweeted since I've started doing the podcast, but, you know, follow me and maybe I'll bloody well tweet. And that's all. Not all we've got time for. That's all I'm gonna bloody give you. All right. See you later, Boondoggers. And keep on boondogging, baby. Now